All right, all right, all right. Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. The Kings are staying hot. Byfield gets called up. We're going to go over a few injuries. And what does this team look like going forward? Like, subscribe, get into the chat, and let's go. All right, guys. Well, we're past the holidays, getting coming up on New Year. Uh, don't think we've said it. Merry Christmas, guys. Um, and uh, how how did it go for you guys? How was the old uh, St. Nick holiday of the 25th there, Joe? Merry Christmas, Brandon. Ross, it was very good. Um, let's see. Rigatoni on Saturday, lasagna on Sunday. It was fantastic. Um I'm in the sweet spot, or not yet, not yet, but approaching the sweet spot of. So I have a my my oldest son just turned four. My youngest will turn two uh, in a couple of weeks, and the four year old is like, we're this is like it is so awesome. Like for those that have kids <laughs> or planning on having kids or whatever, like it is it like reinvigorates the Christmas holiday when you've got kids of this age. It is an absolute blast. So no, I love it. it it's been great. Great holiday weekend. So uh, yeah. How about you guys? Yeah, mine was, uh, mine was good. Yeah. Just uh, ate a, a ton of food um, and a lot of Mexican food. That's kind of what we do. Uh, my family does tamales, empanadas. I don't know if that's Mexican, but just a lot of that enchiladas, dude. I mean, I ate so much. I felt 15 pounds heavier over the weekend, but it was it was awesome. Wouldn't trade anything for for the world. How about you, Randon? Yeah, it was uh, it was nice uh, after work on uh, on Saturday. Just came home, uh, brother. You know, younger brother Logan. Shout out to him for cooking a, a perfect steak uh, for us brothers over there watching nice. Christmas movies. Uh, and then the family came over to my place on Sunday after. Um, like midday, so you know, got to sleep in, got to do your own thing, and then it was kind of like a potluck. So, um, you know, a little bit of brisket, uh, you know, was made by Alyssa, and then you know, bacon, mac, and cheese, and thousands of sweets and some booze. And so, it was good, you know, watched all the it's funny it. stuff Christmas Vacation and Elf and Christmas Story. And what's your favorite Christmas movie? Here we go. Uh, it's always been Christmas Story for me, just from a young age, and so like that's the only one that I watch every year. Uh, Obviously, I love Christmas Vacation, but Christmas Story has been the, is the one I watch every year without fail. Uh, it's always been that way, so I have to go with that one. How about, how about you, Joe? Let's, let's let's go around the horn here. I want to see what's your what's your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, it's the Year Without a Santa Claus. Give me the Heat Miser and the Snow Miser every holiday. <laughs> I love the I old. I don't know old, if I've ever even heard of that movie. Ser- you don't know Heat Miser? Heat Miser? No. What? Am I missing something? I'm missing something there, huh? I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm not that old, fellas. Okay, like, I'm a <laughs> yeah. little older, I think, than you guys. But and I get it. It is a really, really, it's an older flick. It's like one of those. Uh, is it claymation? Is that maybe that's? I don't think. Okay. I don't think that, okay. I don't think that's accurate. I don't think it's claymation. It's something of the sort, though. Um, but it's so old, oh my. my computer froze. That's how. That's how old it is. <laughs> if, if you. I mean, it's it's a it's a very very kids oriented okay. movie, right? It's 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 I've watched it when I was a kid, but like it brings back like the nostalgia. Okay, uh, so I I just love that one because give me give me give me the heat miser and snow miser all day long, <laughs> and it's I it's if you know the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer that type of old school movie if you've seen that one mm-hmm. um, with like the Island of Misfit Toys and stuff like that. Like those, those, those ones I love. Gotcha. Well, my, mine is, is Jingle All the Way, just because I love Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. I mean, some of the lines in that movie are so corny, yet they're so good. I just, <laughs> it's just, there's so many good ones. I can just I rattle them off every now and then. I'm like, it's turbo time. And it's, I, just, I love that movie. <laughs> Home Alone 2 is also really good, but those are yeah, Home, Home Alone, Alone in general. I mean, I love Home Alone. I love Home yeah, Alone. Yeah. Those are, those are classics for sure. Well, we got some regular chat. Hockey. Yeah, Nob W twenty one coming in here. He said it's carved into stone there, Joe Jael okay. giving giving us the biceps. <laughs> uh, and CJ coming up with our first question. 
Uh, hello, thoughts on Clark going back to the Barry Colts after World Juniors? It was said between periods during last night's game. I don't know if that's set in stone, Russ. Have you heard anything that that's the official readout, or is that just a hypothetical jargon from uh, from people around the media? I, I think it might be just hypothetical right now. I, I don't I don't know if we've gotten any confirmation or any word even from the team. This this whole situation with Clark all season has been up in the air, and we kind of don't find out until it actually happens. <laughs> It is kind of a it does beg the question though, like what do the Kings do with Clark after the World Juniors, right? I mean, especially with, I mean, the way that some of the defenders are playing on the Kings right now. Um, but long term, I think that's somebody that the Kings would run in the lineup. And I don't know, it's tough. It's tough right now. It's a tough question. We'll have to see how he does throughout the tournament. What do you think? Joe? I don't know how tough of a question it is. Where is he playing? Yeah. He has to. I mean. I I'm I do think I still believe he's one of the top six defensemen in Los Angeles. I think he can be. Um, that said, barring something happening within the next what week or two, a couple of weeks here, transaction wise, he's going to the OHL. It's either that or they they are going to sit him in the press box and have him watch games, or maybe come into a little bit of a rotation. Now I'll say this, and I and I, I know some people kind of like will say, well. That's a horrible thing. Just get him to play games at least, right? Like, um, you know, rather than have him sit. I, I think there there can be a benefit to having him with the Kings around the NHL, around the NHL coaching staff, because these guys do put in work in practice um, and individual skill work, individual video sessions, which I do think can help him. So whether that is that better than um, going to the OHL, I don't know. Um, that's that's I don't know. That's not for me to decide. But I uh, I think right now, given the numbers, he's got nowhere to play. So I'll believe it when I see it. If something happens from a trade or send down standpoint, mm -hmm. and you can make the case that it's not just one guy. Like I know everybody wants to send Sean Walker to the moon, but even if that's the case, you still have three right guys, three right shot defensemen in in Dowdy, Roy, Dursey. So where is he playing? Are you still going to keep Jersey on the left in that case? And I know we don't love that. So I, I, I'm leaning right now more that, that, that he is going to go back to the OHL just from a number standpoint. And I think you could probably make the case where, what, it's only going to be a couple of months and he comes back up after the season and plays for the rain at the end of the year. So mm -hmm. that seems like a realistic possibility. Um, I will say I didn't see today's game, uh, Canada game. I, I liked him. A lot actually in the first game um he was involved and i know it's canada so they have the most talented roster so they're going to dominate shot attempts and stuff but he had he was at for for on ice he was 73 percent for Corsi, uh 60 percent high danger he had seven shot contributions this is all at five on five i thought he was involved in the play i love his aggressiveness um little clunky at times his his feet are clunky um and that you know, but I just love his overall. He's almost like a rover out there, which is a lot of mm -hmm. fun to watch. It's, he's kind of my style type of defenseman these days. Um, and I think the Kings are going to have to make a tough decision. But if the numbers are what they are, it may not be that tough. Just just real quick on Clark. But I, that's the thing I worry about is his aggressiveness at times, I feel like can be too aggressive. And I think just – I think it's – especially for in a tournament, I guess it's more prevalent when you're playing mm -hmm. with a bunch of players you've never played with before. So you, they don't know how you're going to be playing on the ice. So when they see Brent Clark taking the puck around the net <laughs> multiple occasions, it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm going to have to cover for this guy when he uh, pinches down uh, in the offensive zone. So, And, and that's the thing, too, is, is you mentioned that clunkiness in his skating. I, I worry if maybe that aggressive style – along with that clunkiness can maybe hurt him. I know it's, he's still young and he can learn a little bit, but when you're caught up ice and let's say you do try to make a pinch like he does constantly, that that hard transition like style and skating could be difficult for him for him to get back. But oh, obviously it's still young. We, he's still yeah. young. Hopefully he can like kind of learn that a little bit more. All right, let's uh, start this hour diatribe. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was say let's start this hour diatribe right here. Um, I'm just <laughs> kidding. It's a, you know, it's if they wanted him up on the Kings, he'd be up on the Kings. So, right? mm -hmm. so if 
you know, as much as I'm I'm the conductor, I'm gonna have to put this train away for a year until next summer, you know. But I, I think I think it's uh you know, we get some new get some new rails going, get a new engine in there. Uh, even hyped for all off season where I'm going to be insufferable for everybody listening about how much I'm going <laughs> to like Brad Clark. But I mean, it might be what Joe, you know, said, you know, Hey, he goes back to the OHL for three months, comes up and plays. I'm sure he'll get traded to some team that's in the running. I don't know if, if Barry is. Um, and then he gets brought up to the AHL in the, in the height of the playoff run, which the Rainer sit in the middle of the pack. So they might need him on, on that right mm-hmm. side. But who knows? I mean, like you said, uh, Joe, if they work out a trade within the next couple of weeks, then so be it. If their goal is, hey, we're definitely making a trade at the trade deadline. We just need to sit him for a month here on the Kings, and then we're going to use him for our playoff stretch. I don't know. Maybe they do that. But it just seems like a lot of, like I said, overthinking. Like they're trying to play 4D chess. Like this is hockey. You know, like let's just either play him or don't play him, you know. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at on it. I mean – realistically they're going to do what they feel that is right for the kid like they've done all year. And it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to a lot of Kings fans because I believe he's clearly better than Sean Walker already. And so you want them to play their best players. Is what you, yeah. What you want. yeah. I mean, are we not trying to win? Isn't that not the expectation? Yeah. So like that's, mm-hmm. I don't care if he doesn't have a spot to play. I don't care if we put Walker through waivers and we have 5 million playing for Ontario with him and Cal Peterson. It doesn't bother me. All about our, matters to me is W's in the win column for, uh, for the Kings, and I think he, I think he gives you that. So, but we'll see. I mean, I just hope right now. I hope he's having fun with Canada and his home country. Uh, hope you know they continue winning games unless they play the United States. Uh, you know, just for him as a kid to get to experience this because mentally he's had a tough last year. I assume you know um, he seems not to let it on right, but not getting selected multiple times. This up and down stuff going on with the Kings. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff going on there. His injury at the end of last season, that kid deserves to have some success and have some fun playing the sport that he loves, and, and hopefully he finds that at the World Juniors. So just to kind of give a quick update on what his status can be going forward for this year, like Joe just mentioned, after the World Juniors, it's either OHL or NHL, and the Kings have managed to find a way to get him and stretch just that nine games out before so they still have that entry-level contract available to keep intact before if they do want to send him to the OHL. But the thing is, when the OHL season's over, you can come and play with the Ontario Ray in the AHL, as long as that season's over for the Ontario, Ontario Hockey League. So we'll have to see how that happens. And then next year, I see someone's asked in the chat, next year he can play either the AHL or the NHL. I believe he'll be 20 at the of age at that time, like we've seen with Martin Kromiak this year and Sammy Hellenius and a bunch of <coughs> some other players too. So, um, yeah, so that, we'll have to watch and see what happens here soon. All right. Well, the Kings are staying hot uh, there. I mean, three, uh, you know, I think they had an overtime loss, but, you know, multiple wins in a row here. Uh, pulled out a big one against Vegas last night. Uh, standings, you know, firmly in uh, in Trounston second place in the Pacific with 46 points, three points behind Vegas. Uh, let's kind of just go open form with this one, guys. Uh, I'm going to kick it off with Russ. Any positive negatives about the stretch of three games that you really liked and, and kind of want to highlight? I mean, I think the biggest positive it has to be just keep talking about Phoenix Copley, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if it's not for him, I don't think the Kings are staying on the streak. Uh, we can say maybe the defensive game has definitely stepped up, which it has. I think they've only given up um, less than like two even strength goals in the last four or five games or so. But I mean, yeah, there's been a lot to like um, defensively, but Phoenix Copley, you have to start with him. He's the one ever since he's stepped in, it's been the calm and confident show in the defensive end and in net. So I think uh, when we talk about the Kings being hot, it's, it's got to start in net. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I th- I'm pretty underwhelmed with the performance of the last few games. Um, I think the, the Vegas game was fine. Um, there was, you know, they were out attempted LA was, but it was a, it was a pretty even game against a good team, despite, you know, they, they were missing a couple of key pieces. The Kings were missing a couple of pieces. So um that's you know that's fine i i had um I, I don't have any good things to say about the arizona game i'm not happy with the point i don't i'm i mean it, it, i guess it depends on what our expectations are here but i i have no use for moral victories when you are getting 43 percent of uh shot attempts you're getting controlled and expected goals scoring chances against a team like arizona to me that's unacceptable um 
And Calgary was, you know, again, Calgary's a good team, and they had a couple of late goals there uh, in, in quick succession. But uh, the, the, the overarching theme here, I agree with Russ, is it's Phoenix Copley. Like I, and they may, if they were getting the goaltending that they were getting earlier in the season, they're not winning these games of late. Um, they have not been, you know, quote unquote, the better team at, at five on five when it comes to the possession metric. Um, so I, I think what you're seeing here is you're seeing a team get some saves. And what's kind of funny about this, and I, I mentioned this on the last pod, you had games where the Kings were outplaying teams, but just giving up goals left and right. And everybody hates Todd McClellan. Here, the Kings are really not playing great. They get outplayed, dare I say, like dominated at five on five, depending on how you look at the numbers against freaking Arizona. They get a point and everybody congratulates them. And then they, you know, they follow up with a win in Vegas and everybody can you know again no word on todd mcclellan like that's just how it goes it goes as the goaltending goes and right now they're getting it from phoenix copy and you know quick played well too against arizona um so it wasn't just phoenix but yeah i, I yeah it's it's copy right now that's the story of of lately and it's been good i mean the like we said the polish wore off and we're in everybody was like what polish he's only played a couple games but now you know you were starting to see some shine there and he might be the darling there for for the kings going to the second half you know and we'll see how that works up will quick find his game to where we have a one two will peterson stay down the full year i mean i mean just let's just enjoy in the in the netminder that we have at the moment but there's still some questions going on we'll see we got quite a bit going on but you know we're not in a lot of these games like you said i think the only positive thing to come out of arizona right here is marty mcfly three 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 said crushed it boys Finally met the infamous Russell in Arizona at the Mullet Arena. <laughs> so there was a highlight out of that game. Uh, Marty McFly meeting Russell Morgan out in, out in Phoenix. The, I, can I just – I want to touch on that that arena or that experience. It's definitely a unique environment. And I think they, they do do a pretty good job there in Arizona. Um, the ton of Kings fans there, which is awesome to see. Kind of, I kind of expected to see quite a few. Um I, I do wonder what it would be like to see like a Chicago Blackhawks or a Toronto Maple Leafs game there. Cause I'm sure that they would probably just take it over. And, <laughs> and you can, the, the, the acoustics in that arena too. I mean, I was, I was sitting next to Johnny Rosen and he was, he mentioned like, man, imagine like a heckler. Like if there was a heckler, you could hear every word he was saying because of how, how small and tightly packed the arena is. But it's, it's the game as much as the game maybe sucked. I wasn't that that upset with the point. I, I was like, whatever, take it. Going into holiday break, I, we can argue that. But it, it was. I wish the game was a little bit better, but it was still pretty fun. Fun environment for the Kings fans to, to take in. It seems it like, like a it pretty be. cool arena for yeah. like a young. Say you're a young hockey fan wanting to get into hockey or a college student out there. Like Mullet Arena, it's nice, tight knit. They're doing all the reverse retros are pretty dope. They're kind of leaning mm -hmm. into that. Uh, like that old school feel and that, that rock and roll desert type vibe. I mean, it seems like a good time. It seems like a good environment. And like, I don't know what the ticket prices were for, for that a small arena, but I like, you know, I, I, I think it would be a good, a good vibe, a good, inter, a good entertainment, good, close. Like you said, not a bad seat in the house in your article, Russell. So I don't know. It seems like it'd be a fun place to go see a game uh, for all the, yeah, the, all the people who haven't the, been out there. The ticket prices. That's the thing. So I was actually looking at buying tickets and the cheapest tickets I could find were 150 bucks, and I was like, "Oh wow. man, that's yeah, that's kind of pricey, right?" Like, well, it's all know, lower like, level. That's exactly. Say, I guess. <laughs> that's the thing too. I guess you're not going to get a bad seat, but even still, I mean, I saw a bunch of empty seats there. So maybe you lower the prices a little bit. Maybe get. I'm I'm sure their college nights are pretty good there too, because it's literally right next to ASU. So I, I think that would actually be fun to be a part of one of those nights. And opening night, I'm sure there was was off the charts but it's, it's a cool place i mean we'll see how long the coyotes stay there and i guess the move is to stay in tempe long term uh, i think the coyotes will be good in another three or four years they have a lot building there and we'll see what happens with them after this year too yeah yeah marty said it was a great experience for him the only complaint was that his living room tv is bigger <laughs> than their so jumbotron <laughs> yeah, that thing uh, was actually really small it's kind of funny <laughs> so uh let's get back to the let's get back to these games here uh the most recent one, I think, is the one that really holds weight, uh, Vegas. Uh, and let's take it back to the to the beginning of the year in our previews. Vegas doesn't consider us a rival, but Kings fans are tired of them. 
since the fact that since they knocked us out, they've had that villain mentality here in LA, even though maybe they don't, they're not concerned with us, but they're going to be as our team is starting to get better and better and better. And, and we're going to have more of those knockout games. So any win against Vegas is a huge one. Did it feel like that for you going into watching this game? Uh, did it feel like that for you, you know, um, as far as like being at the arena, Russ, that maybe have more of a playoff vibe because of the opponent? I think it did. It had a big game vibe for sure. I think coming out of the break, um, I just and it all goes back to even the the Boston game, just the, which I consider the turning point of the season so far. I mean, they come back from that, fly home. You have San Jose and Anaheim, so every, we're all talking about how oh, you you probably should be winning those games just to kind of get rid of that inconsistency bug because we've seen them win those big games and kind of have letdowns after. So. They do take care of business, beating San Jose and then beating Anaheim. And then you have, what was it, a Calgary, another big game. I think it was a close game. And then the travel to Arizona, which was the point can be debated, debated how good of a game that was and whether the point was good or not. But you come out of the break and then you have Vegas on the schedule. So imagine like you come out of the break and you you, you let that one slide. You lose to Vegas 4-2 to two or 5-2 or whatever. Then we're probably talking like, oh, no, like maybe inconsistency starting. We have Colorado on Thursday. That's another bit in Colorado, which, I mean, no matter all the injuries they deal with, they still have Kale McCarr, who's an incredible player. So that's going to be a difficult game. So, I mean, if they had lost the Vegas game, that, that was probably changes the conversation that we're talking today, especially. But since you take care of business there, you look at the standings. The Kings are only three points behind them with Vegas having a game at hand. That's that's pretty crazy to think about when we were you we were looking at the standings maybe like a month ago where Vegas was probably running away with the division. So yeah, now we're talking about maybe the division title being not that far out of reach for the Kings this year. Well, going yeah, back to Sin Vin Vegas, that he said that their team is predicated solely on injuries. Right, if they're 100 yep. percent healthy, they're going to be a juggernaut. If they get one kink in the armor, they don't have any depth whatsoever, as we're seeing with uh, the Kings killer, Mr. Amadio, scoring every time we play them <laughs> up on the first line. So it, it's something to, to take notice. If they're 100% healthy, they're a juggernaut, but they have a lot of kinks, uh, and that's the main one. It's going to be injuries is because of their depth. Yeah, and, and and again, for the second straight year, they've lost some – they're not just injuries. They are injuries. They've got Shea Theodore's out. Jack Eichel has missed a bunch of games here with a lower body injury. Alex Petrangelo is off to deal with personal matters for a couple of weeks. So they missed some really, really key pieces. And they kept their heads afloat. Like they were, they were about 500 hockey or so after the, you know, the last 10, 12 games. So it's not as if it's killed them, but they were certainly not nearly as hot as they were to start the season. So I think it's a really, it's a good Kings win against a team. If you can get a Jack Eichel list and Shea Theodore list, Vegas Golden Knights, you got to take advantage of that. I think they did that. So, they will we'll take the W. Does Vegas seem like a kind of like that Tampa Bay mentality? It's like, hey, we just got to get in and hopefully we're healthy become come May. Like I it doesn't think, really yeah. matter where we sit in the standings as long as we're yeah. in and we're healthy. I think they are if if all teams are healthy, I they're right there in the Western Conference. They, they could definitely win that West if if they're healthy. And that, and I and I'm including Colorado in that discussion. Um I think that they are a team that that yeah, if they get in and are healthy, they're a really really dangerous team. So, so I think uh, the other thing that we want to look at here uh, and how this affects the roster, not only going uh, going forward, uh, but both uh, Arthur <clears throat> Kaliev and uh, newly uh, signed or extended Trevor Moore uh, out with injuries. Uh, the Kaliev one was uh, brought all the way back to. Uh, December 2nd. Uh, I don't know how long each of they're going to be out. Russ, have you heard any inkling? Is it just day-to-day, week-to-week? Or, or I think I think with Kaliev, it's from the Anaheim game. He blocked his shot in that game, and I believe he finished that game, but he's still – I mean, we haven't seen him since then. So I don't think it's anything severe. Like, I don't think I, – I haven't heard anything like he broke anything or it didn't seem like it. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how long it takes and then um, go from there. And then Trevor Moore obviously being out the shuffling the lines, right? And so mm-hmm. yep. they've been kind of moving everything around. Lazat playing 3C. What have you guys seen on how the injuries have affected the, the line play? Um, 
I think it's always tough when when you have some some pieces that are out, especially player players like that. You know, we talk about we talk about pairings a lot, and those are two guys that you know Moore is always paired with Dino, and they work really well together. But he was out. Kaliev has been so good with Blake Lazat. Obviously, he's out, so it's going to create a, a little bit of a shuffle. So that's why I think all things considered, yesterday it's a, it is a good win for them uh, to pick that up. But I, I think these both sound. I know neither skated today. This is per LA Kings insider Zach Dooley. Neither neither of them skated uh, today, but it it does it, it sounds like they're kind of day to day ish. Um, um, so I guess we'll see. The the the, the note in there said that. Um, more was a question mark for for Thursday's game against Colorado. So I think, and let me throw, I'll bounce this off you when talking about, because I'm, again, I'm assuming these are both, we'll see these both back pretty soon here. <laughs> and now with Byfield back in the lineup, um, I, I think I want to, I would like to see some things shuffled around a little bit to try to balance some things out. Uh, and I know Blake Lazat, um, played third center, and I think that if that's what they decide to stick with, you know, I think I brought that up and wondered if that was something realistic that they could try um, when Byfield gets back. It's not ideal, perhaps, but as they ease Byfield back in. But honestly, what I wouldn't mind seeing them try, and again, it, it's going to take a splitting up of, of that Deneau line, which I know a lot of people don't love, but I think if we try to spread some things out a little bit, I'd keep the Kopitar line intact. Um, they're high event hockey. It's, it's uncopatar like to see them, you know, in the defensive zone as much, but Minga, they're creative and I want to keep them together. And, uh, I am on board with that. I would put more back with Dino, but I would put Velarde on that line and then Byfield with Ayafalo and Arvidsson. Uh, I think Arvidsson can be a good little engine for a guy like Quentin Byfield to help get him going and then reunite Lazat and Kaliev. And I would put Kapari there, but if you wanted to to mix and match on that left side, so be it. But um, that's as we look forward, Randon, as you said, kind of look what 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 looks ahead here. That's kind of what I wouldn't mind seeing from a, a, a line standpoint. I don't know what you guys think or what your thoughts are, but um, I, I want to find a way to get Quentin Byfield going. And I thought the 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 line mates of Kapari and Lemieux is just not. It doesn't seem like it's a fit for for Quentin Byfield, in my opinion. That's that's the whole goal of this, right? Like everybody, we it seems like we're trying to find a way to get Byfield going at this point because played his first game back, he didn't look too great. I mean, maybe it's kind of expected. I don't I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how he does moving forward. But I I also was kind of a little disappointed in the line mates he had Lemieux and Kapari, not really necessarily the play drivers he should be playing with. Um, We'll see what happens moving forward, but I don't know. I it's only one game, but I really liked the way that Dano, I follow, and Arvidsson played together. And yeah, they had incredible production. So we'll have to see. It's a small sample size, but we've I, I believe we've seen those three play together before last year, and they looked pretty good too. Before we saw Trevor Moore take I follow spot, so maybe if you keep that top six the way it is with the Kobatar line with Fiala and Kempe, you could have I follow Dano Arvidsson. I like Trevor Moore being that kind of motor with Byfield, like you yeah. with Arvidsson. I, I kind of like that combination. And then you pair him with Velarde. Um, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. Yeah, maybe you nope. can get those nope. three going I'm because then you, you can keep intact that Lazat-Kaliev combination. Mm -hmm. And I've also really liked the way that Jared Anderson-Dolan's been playing lately. So if you can pair Anderson-Dolan and uh, Lazat have looked pretty good together, so that might be a pretty good trio. So I, I think – and that's, a, that's the thing, too, with the Kings is, is what we've talked about all year. Like, look at all these – they haven't really had the, the big impact player injuries like some of these teams have, like Vegas had or Colorado has had. But when they have injuries, they have the depth available to add players here and there and change players like Trevor Moore, Ayafalo, Arvidsson, Lazat. I mean, play them wherever they want, and it seems like they're Swiss Army Knights and they kind of mesh with everybody. So that's what's kind of keeping the Kings afloat. And I think what, what can help keep the Kings atop, maybe they get a two, two seed or even maybe the first seed in, in the Pacific Division. Yeah, I think I that's no something to that. moving more down there. I'm good with that too. Yeah, I think that's something to be taken a look at. I think Byfield needs 
more time. I, I know this is not a developmental league, but he's going to be the heir apparent. Uh, you don't want to look too much into 2023. And yeah, he's got to earn some things, but you know, he was given a little bit over a minute 20 in power play time. I like to see that. Uh, only played eight minutes. I think that was mainly because Lazat was over 70% from the faceoff dot. And down the stretch, they really needed to win faceoffs to keep the momentum in their favor. And so maybe in a different game or, or if Byfield looked better in that area because he was only one for four, uh, he would have saw more ice time. So we'll see if that, that change is going forward uh, and, and moving in there. Uh, before we see how these lines match up, let's kick it over to our uh, sponsor here at DraftKings. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn all your small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at a bigger payout. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions may apply. See show notes for details. So going forward with these line combinations or what we see from uh, from the Kings, there's going to be a lot of influx. And we talked about a potential of, of all these, right? The Brant Clark decision. The coming back from injuries for Kaliev, because obviously you're going to put him back on the power play in his spot because he's the best weapon. You're going to see Trevor Moore, who has been consistently and got paid to be consistently with, <clears throat> with Philip Deneau. So is there going to be that creativity from T-Mac, or are we just going to see him try to do the same old stuff that he's been doing all season long? I don't know. It seems like he's kind of riding the wave of what's working for him lately. Um I wouldn't be surprised if they do leave more off the, the or with Deneau, even even as much as we've seen more and Deneau play so well together in their careers together. Um, I don't know. I mean, if they keep winning games, it's like why? If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So it's hard. It's hard to say because Moore's only been out one game. Um, we'll see how soon how soon he comes back. It could be Saturday um, on New Year's Eve. But with yeah, like I said, with the way that Deneau play, uh, line played last night against Vegas, man, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them together for, for quite a while. I think that's Deneau, though. I mean, whether yeah. it's Ayafalo, whether it's more, I mean, I, I think this really speaks volumes to just how good Phil Deneau really is at driving play. I mean, we heard when he came here, you know, he's a play driving center. Yeah, everybody talked about his lack of goals and whatnot, but the guy's a play driving center and he is doing just that. So um, I think you can, you know, the strength of him uh, is, is, um, is as much as anything. So I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I, I go back and forth with this, but like I said, if whether it's, whether it's uh, Ayafalo, Arbidsen, Moore, Velarde, I think that grouping you can kind of mix and match a little bit on that between that middle six there uh, and I and I do think it can work but I think that if they can find a way to get Byfield going because it was disappointing Russ um, you know you look at I get it that it was his first game back but like it's not as if he hasn't been playing he's been playing in the AHL here and you know you look at his common opponents from Vegas that he saw the most at five on five and it's 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 ahl level talent and, and he wasn't very good so um but i'm not going to overreact to one game you know you hope it just starts to get better as we go as we go forward here just speaking of ahl talent i'm watching the rain game and martin chromiak just fed alex turcott with a sick pass in front of the net they're up three to one uh in coachella right now nice. so good game going there first game in coachella i believe for for the yep. rain Yep. Yeah, looks, that, that arena looks pretty. The, the fans are packing it. It looks pretty fun there. As pointed out by CJ earlier, the rain about to drop puck first game ever in Palm Desert. So there go. thanks there for the go. fun fact there, CJ. Appreciate it. Yeah, um, I, I think Byfield has to play better. I mean, it is it is what it is. His first game back, his line mates, he had what, like one day of practice. So I assume he'll get acquainted with those guys a little bit again and, and, and that type of stuff. But if he's only going to play – six minutes on the ice on five on five. He's got to make most of his power play time because um, we've seen other guys do it. Kaliev did it. Right. And so if he's yep. going to, you got to make the most of your time that's given and he's eventually has to play like a number two overall pick. 
there's got to be a point in the season where he does that and 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 there's no more excuses for him wherever that point is i'm not sure most fans have reached there i'm sure there's only a slim margin of those fans that are already fed up with his play but i think the leash gets shorter and shorter with the fan base if we keep giving him the the patience approach now Again, still young and all yada yada yada. The st- stuff that you know Joe likes to say all the time, but I want to see I want to see some consistency of, or I want to see some flash and then the consistency of that flash at some point in the season uh, for me to feel good about his development. Well, I just, yeah, want, to, I just want to see him give him the opportunity, right? And I mean, the when he was with Iafalo and Velarde, they were killing it, and now he comes back and he's playing with Lemieux and Capari. Like, what the hell? Give him give him some good line mates that. Can help Byfield because Byfield's not Deneau. He's not going to elevate right. the play of Kupari and Lemieux. That's not that's not what he is right now. You have to find line mates that can can elevate Byfield's play and help him out because that's that's what he needs. I mean, he's not. Yeah, he's the second overall pick, but he's not going to be a superstar talent as much as we want him to be. That's just the Kings have are cursed with drafting players who can step in and be superstars at the moment. That's just not what they are. They just have to be, develop a little bit. So if that's your 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 kind of avenue that you're going with. Then yeah, playing with the best players that you have available to you, and hopefully they can do that. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be something that that that's interesting there because, like you said, that vibe line was vibing earlier in the season, and he was <laughs> you know he was he was creating, and it's not like Joe didn't say you know he said in his sats of shot contribution and, and all that he it's not like he's been bad earlier in the season, he just doesn't look like he's been dominant right like it's all these underlying metrics. But the eye test doesn't really match for most for most fans or or me some from time to time, so we'll see. I mean, Lazat's been playing so well, so I understand yep. with him getting more minutes, I get it. But eventually, opportunity has to be given and earned at the same time and taken advantage of. And T Mac has to allow him to in some of those games. I'm maybe that's not Vegas, maybe it's a five one route, or you know we're getting blown out by a team. But I mean, eventually. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to propose this question to you. Does Quentin Byfield have to be a key component to the Kings for the Kings to make a playoff to win a series? To win a series? No, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. I, I, I see. When you said at first, I thought you were going to go make the playoffs. I was going to say no, and to win a playoff series. Like you need four lines in the playoffs, like so they they gotta go right, and and I feel really good about Blake Lazat anchoring the fourth line and being a great matchup um, against teams in the playoffs. I you know, maybe I want to say I don't think so, but maybe again you like if he's your three C that matter like that's a big deal come playoff time. That each one everything gets tighter. You need every line going so. I'm going to say I don't think so, but I don't feel great about it. I'll say it like this. I mean, we already kind of saw their answer just in this last game with Vegas. He only took three shifts in the third period. Mm-hmm. If you're going to – yeah, if you're going to win a playoff series, you can't have a line where you, you don't find them reliable enough to play them more than that in the third period of a, of a tight game. So that's the thing is, is they're not giving him the ice time because they don't find – they don't think he's going to be able to hold up to the, that – tight game pressure, which, I mean, I get it. You have players like Anze Kopitar and Phil Deneau, who you can kind of just interchange. And like you mentioned, Randon, Lazad is killing it in the face-off dot. So you don't have to really get away from playing. Uh, you can, Or you can get away from playing Byfield in the regular season if you're going to win games doing it, which that's the thing. is like when when people were upset about the time on ice in the last game, I was like, eh, it doesn't really bother me as much because you get the win. And he's playing minutes in the NHL, which we've all been wanting him to do. What bothered me more was the linemates he was playing with. I, that was yeah. that's what bothers me. So, if you're not going to play him, like, and you're winning games, I'm, I guess I'm okay with it. But like, I don't know. I want to see. Yeah, I do want to see the trajectory change a little bit to the higher. I I, I also I I want to say I, I won't don't want to see this happen for the whole season. I don't want to see him playing less than ten minutes all season. So I do want to see a little bit of growth going forward here but it's yeah. still a little early i guess yeah i think it's first game back and you got a big a big division matchup i can totally understand um you know not only is his first game back but it wasn't a great first two periods i can completely understand mcclellan in that sense and you know what we're gonna 
we're going to try to lock this one down. We want to win this game. So I, mm-hmm. I don't have any issues with his ice time in that first game back because I think if his performance warranted it, he would have played more. Um, so we'll, we'll see how the how things go. And I and we'll see, more importantly, who his line mates are because I just I don't want to make another excuse. It seems like I'm making another excuse for him, but he's <laughs> not doing him any, any favors, in my opinion, with those two. So this is why I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. And I don't think he has to be, like Nav said, not a key – contributor but a contributor is that you saw in the last series that we've had in a long time with Edmonton that third line shuffled the center shuffled from from him mm-hmm. to Kapari to whoever all the time and it wasn't consistent and we lost that series by a fraction in multiple games if you get a consistent third line and as Joe said you need four lines which Either you get three lines, whether it's the fourth line playing well one night and the third line playing one out well one night, so be it. But if you get a consistent third line, we win that series. And if we're going to win a series going forward, you can't rely on Kopitar and Deneau to have their best games every single game. You need contribution elsewhere. And Byfield has to progress in his play for the rest of the season in order to be a key contributor for that third line, whether it's his line mates helping him, him helping his line mates, he needs to be a part of a steady situation going into the playoffs for the Kings to be able to win a series. And I, I think there's no way around that. I mean, because do you feel great with Kupari playing center? No, that, that experiment really hasn't worked. Do we feel good about Jad playing center? Well, he hasn't really played center. And the whole <laughs> podcast two weeks ago, we were talking about the Kempe experiment didn't work and how 3C was a glaring spot in this organization. So with all that being said, yeah, it didn't matter last night's game against Vegas, but in a seven-game series when generally the better team wins, you're going to need more more often than not four lines clicking off and on at some point, and Byfield's have to going to be a contributor to that and a major contributor for the third line, in my opinion. Well, let me ask you through a, you through a, a, a what-if or a question out there. Let me throw this at you. What if – Byfield continues to kind of go as is here, plateaus a little bit. But the Kings are winning games, and they they establish themselves as they're going to be a playoff team. Is it just going to be in the division? Is it going to be a wild card? But they're looking like a playoff team. Do they look to acquire a veteran 3C at the deadline? Is so you're saying would that, you would you acquire a rental to help you solidify? Is what you're saying? I mean, if you're if if if. Yeah, like what is what would be what would the goal be then at this point if if Byfield hasn't shown improvements? And I listen, I know I'm playing a what if game here, a hypothetical, yeah. but hey, it's what we're doing. We're playing, you know, we're having a conversation. You know, is it a would you have the situation where Byfield is is he's playing, but he's not playing well, and you know, like listen, to your point, Randon, this isn't going to be good enough in playoffs. It's it's just not going to be. Do we go and acquire a rental? Uh, is, and I'm, I'm speaking as the Kings, that they think maybe we go acquire a rental veteran third-line center to try to get us through uh, a round of the playoffs? Or do they say, you know what, this is another learning experience for the kid. We're going to go another run with him as 3C, and he's got to get used to this, and results will be what they will be. I think it's the second part because does that 3C veteran help them win a cup? Is it Because the True. goal – the goal isn't really to win a series. The goal is to win the cup, right? So if they're not a cup Depends. contender. Depends. Well, what is my, the goal? Okay, my, is my, the my goal isn't to win a series. My goal is to win a cup. What is the organization's and, goal as a team that's been in a rebuild? They've got a lot of things going. Do they, they made the playoffs last year somewhat surprisingly. Is the goal this year to realistically win a cup? No, I wouldn't think so. But is the goal realistically – Let's get these guys a playoff series. Let's let's win a series and try to get a little bit of mojo going. Is that is that a, a goal of the organization? I get what your goal is. I don't know what the organization's thinking. I think I think the bigger conversation here is how how close are the Kings right now? Right. That's that's what's the real conversation. Like, yeah, can they win a cup this year? I mean, if everything goes right for LA and, and like no. you mentioned, you no. you upgrade. Let's say, what if you trade for a player like Ryan O'Reilly, who's a free agent after this year? You have a that would help. I mean, yeah, I'm just saying, like the Kings are going to, according to cap friendly, they're going to have ten million dollars in deadline cap space. So, I mean, I'm sure you can kind of fumble some ways around. Blake can work his magic. You have a, a three 
shot center, uh, three centers in Dano, Kopitar, and O'Reilly. I'm just saying, like, this is all hypothetical, like you guys mentioned. Right. It's just how close are the Kings? Are, are they a Ryan O'Reilly away? Are they like a, a really another a Patrick Kane away? Johnny Taves away from winning a cup? That's the thing. They're one of those plus a D net. Yeah, and that's like where I four, agree too. Yeah, top four D-man away. I, so, I don't see like you're you're looking at the center position, but let's talk about defense too. Like, yeah, you, you really have Drew Doughty back there. You're going to rely on Sean Dursey to play 22 plus minutes in pivotal playoff games. I mean, he did it kind of last year, but uh, I don't know. To go on a long playoff run to win a cup, I'm kind of with Randy here. Where I think you just have to give Byfield kind of throw him to the fire and give him that experience, and, and hopefully he's. He's playing well enough, like I, I talked about. It's just he, he kind of grows, and, and that time on ice starts to go up a little bit. So he gets those responsibilities come, uh, like, April, May. Yeah, and truthfully, so am I. Like, I'm not looking to do that by any means, by the way, to, to, to <laughs> trade for some sort of better. I if just he's playing, curious. like, absolute trash and the team's still winning games, then that's your point. Do you, like, do we – do we elevate this team or do we hopefully, Hey, we're winning games without him. Hopefully he elevates his game right. and he's the, he's the addition. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, like I said, I don't think we're there yet. So the moral yeah. victory of winning a playoff series would feel good, like in the moment, but once the season ends, we're like, Oh, well that prospect we gave up for insert name here is not there. Byfield didn't play well. That's all we're going to be talking about all offseason. The moral victory will fade within a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm eventually the, the prospect's going to have to work through it. And you learn just as much with your failures as you do with your successes. Like him mm -hmm. struggling, if he does in this hypothetical situation, he's going to learn just as much as he would if he's dominating. So we'll see how that it works is, out. It is crazy to think about. Like, imagine, like, if, the Vegas game had gone the other way. I think a lot more uh, pitchforks and torches would have been out seeing Byfield's low time on ice, but they're winning games and that, that cures all, I guess, right now. So let's get going for amazing what good, but some saves will hide. Sorry. Randy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Decent Start winning some, some games here. <laughs> well, let's get going with the player of the week um, and, and going and seeing who we thought kind of contributed to the most. I'm going to start with it here uh, again this week, and um, I'm going to go with Gabe Velarde. And the reason being is that he was on the schneid for a long time. Pots two goals. You saw the emotion there. I mean, I love when players get uh, you know th th uh, show some emotion on the ice. He seems to have a, that patented fist bump now, um, where it's kind of his his celebration, which is nice. Um, and he needed it. You know, he was kind of sitting at the top of the Kings in goals for a long time without without putting any entwine. Uh, not really playing all that well, just kind of defensively kind of being out there on the ice and and gets two this week as well as an assist, so three points in uh, three games. And um, Gable Velarde is my player of the week there. Go ahead, Joe. Okay, I will go with Phil Deneau. Uh In his three games, he's got two goals and an assist for three points, 62% course and four, over 60% expected goals. Um, I think it's you could just as easily say um, – you know, somebody else, perhaps somebody between the pipes, but I'm going to go with Phil Deneau. Uh, I, I think he's he's quietly putting together another really nice season for the Kings, proving to be a really good signing. So, like his game. I am going to go with that guy between the pipes, Peter Copley. I, I, I'm in. I just, it's hard. It's, it's, there's no one else really right now, right? It's just, he, it's, he's the catalyst for this turnaround for the Kings so far. What is he, seven, one, seven and one in eight games? Is this Martin Jones all over again where he just steps in and just wins every game he's playing? That's what it seems like. So it's just it's the two C's. It's the calm and the, and the confidence that we're seeing out of Phoenix Copley that's resonated throughout the team, and they're starting to win for it. And Is long-term contract on, on the horizon here? I don't no. know. We'll see what happens. No. Stop it. And $15 million. Sign him right now. The crazy thing is, and this is what's kind of funny, is it's not as if Phoenix Copley is like inserting himself into the Vesna case. He's he's hey, like no. been just slightly hey, above no. he's been a little above league average, which is that's okay. Like he's I think his goals uh saved above expected per sixty is in the top thirty in the NHL. It's like in the twenties. Like it's not as if he's 
he's it, but that's how dire the goaltending situation was for the Kings. Is like just give us somebody that gives us hovering around league average goaltending, and he's been just slightly above that. But give us something to do that, and the Kings can win some games. And lo and behold, I mean it's it's amazing. So Tommy coming in here with that same exact question: If Copley stays hot over the next twenty-five-ish games, do you consider extending him? And I my my question here is a, an add-on to that: Do you extend him instead of Jonathan Quick? Do you just let yeah. Jonathan Quick walk? And yeah, it would be nice for him to walk off into the sunset like a Dustin Brown and play for one team his entire career. But ultimately, hockey is a business, and if they don't feel like Jonathan Quick is that guy anymore and he still wants to play and it's not in our jersey, how would you feel about the tandem of Peterson and Copley next year, knowing that you know what you have in Phoenix Copley? Or do you explore the free agent market and not necessarily commit yourself this early uh, into that discussion? All still, all still really early, obviously, but but it, it does beg the question just the way he's been playing and the way the other two goalies have been playing. So, yeah, I don't know. With Jonathan Quick, I guess maybe that is the, the two that you're thinking about, but Cal Peterson also has to show up too. We can't just, like, let him come back just because he's signed. I mean, there is a buyout available too. I mean, you can't just keep a goalie who's on the team who's not playing well. I mean, like you said, this is a business too. So, if – we hope that Cal Peterson somehow finds his way his way in Ontario and does become that goaltender that we hope him to be a starter goalie, and then we'll see what happens with Copley and, and Quick. Because man, I, I don't know if, if Copley keeps this up, like like you said, Joe, he's not putting up Vezina numbers, but at five on five uh, with goalies of all who have at least started five games, he's third in goals saved above expected for sixty right now. So I mean. Yeah, he's 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 just being he's giving good and above average goals, old goaltending, and look what the, the the turnaround has done for LA. And this is why it's bringing up questions like this. If we're talking about Phoenix Copley being re-signed for the Kings' future, it's it's crazy. No, um, certainly not to a multi-year deal. Like I'm almost on board with any one-year deal. I think like yeah, you could sell me on that. Mm -hmm almost any time but i would also argue we don't know what we have at phoenix Copley. even if he does continue on who was to say this happens next year goalies especially like no one expected phoenix Copley to play this well because his career track record did not suggest it so are we going to then think that he has a good 20 game stretch to end the season and that's the real phoenix Copley? i don't know i don't think that we can confidently say that so no, I'm not extending him. I would wait and see. Now, again, if it's a one-year deal, like I said, I'm almost uh, good with like any one-year deal. Just All right. Well, here, so, let me let me go over some of the, the UFAs. And obviously, anybody can get signed before here and then. But mm -hmm. I'm just going to throw out some names, right? You have Jonathan Quick. You have uh, Simon uh, Varlamov. Uh, Varlamov. Bishop. Mm -hmm. Frederick Anderson. Bernier. Cam, uh, Cam Talbot. Tristan Jari. You have... Uh, Alex, uh, Nettle, yeah. yeah, Blackwood, right? Mike Smith, Aiden Hill, Antti Ranta, Martin Jones, right? Like, so you have all these guys that have that other names out there that are going to be UFAs. It's like, is Phoenix going to be that high to where he needs a multi-year? Does he need to get extended before the end of the season? My, my thing is no. Like, look how many free agents are going to be out there. They don't know what's going on with Jonathan Quick. They don't know how the season's going to end for cal peterson what if there's an injury and cal Peterson comes up and lights the world on fire and then you have more confidence in that player so right now no will he be in the discussion in the offseason yes i think he will be yes. but but i don't think it's necessary to go this early uh and just ink him because he's playing well over a couple weeks what, what could be a big topic of conversation going forward and we'll have to see how this changes maybe the landscape of the nhl is how teams treat goaltending going forward do are, are we going to stop seeing these long-term contract extensions being given to goalies now that scoring is just going up and up and up almost every game now, it seems. So maybe teams just kind of go back to those signing goalies to one-year deals and maybe you get a, a flash in the pan here and there and hope for another young guy to step up because it's kind of what we're seeing across the NHL right now. We're just seeing these goalies come out of nowhere and start to take over look at Stuart Skinner up in Edmonton he got himself a, a three-year deal 
you have that goalie in Carolina that I can't even pronounce his, pronounce his name. Pure. Piotr Kotchikov. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, I mean, he's getting – could be he's wrong looking that like, part. He's, he's looking like the Vezina winner right now. It's insane. And, and he, no one's even talking about Igor Shosturkin, who's kind of having a mediocre season. So, I mean, goalies are hit or miss, and Joe's talked about it on end. It's just such a mental position that you could be look great. You look like Patrick Wall one season, and then the next year you could look like Roman Chekmatic. So, we'll see what happens going forward and in the summer. Let's get to a little just update on making it rain. I mean, nothing big here. Just kind of go over the standings, see what they're doing. Uh, it is 4-2 as we are speaking now live on Wednesday. After one period, you have Austin Wagner uh, getting a goal there from Hellenius and Muvare. Uh, Fagimo from Turcotte and Gantz. Turcotte from Chromiak, as uh, stated earlier on the power play. Uh, and Leas Anderson. So Turcotte having a little two-point night here, or two-point mm-hmm. period. Uh, not bad. But the rain not doing so hot this season as far as where they're at in the standings. Um, kind of meddling. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10. They're sixth place. Uh, they're only seven points separating the Colorado Eagles and the Ontario rain uh, right now. But uh, you're looking at games played. The rain are far uh, are the lowest in the league as well. So they have plenty of games in hand to, to make that up. But uh, not as dominant as we've seen uh, previously. Uh, where you know they're barely above the uh, the goals four goals against uh, in the positive of positive nine goals. So maybe it's because of players getting moved around, shuffled. Uh, maybe it's just the fact that they're not as dominant last year. But they came out hot. They can get going again. And I think you might see some additions of the Brant Clarks and the other twenty year olds that might be able to come up at the end of the season uh, and play some key minutes for them. Um, I haven't watched too many rain games this year, but is there anything that anybody's seeing? Uh, from the games that they have watched? Well, what I'll say is I think it's encouraging, um, again, and we've talked about it, is the goaltending has been good. Volalt have been much better this season. And frankly, you look at Cal Peterson in his uh, in his seven games, uh, he's got a 938 save percentage, so he is playing well. I don't know if he's got uh, if he's in that tonight, Rando, if you had a chance to see uh, the box score to see who's in. But I think the good thing is, is he's going down there and he's playing well. Like, I think that's all you can ask for to hopefully help get his game back, get his confidence back a little bit. Um, Because the funny thing is, is as as you kind of talked about a little bit ago, Russ, with like with goalies and being kind of unpredictable, would any of us be surprised if Cal Peterson just showed up at the end of the season and, or, or if something happens with Copley or quick and has a, and plays well, like I wouldn't because there's, there's just, Goalies are difficult, I think, to evaluate and to predict. I don't think we we really know yet as a as as a I'll say analysts or whatever as a hockey community of of appropriately analyzing the position. I think it's still something that that we're learning more and more about um, from an analytical standpoint. I don't think there's as many you know numbers or, or that that you can kind of delve into to while there are plenty of them to know which ones are going to be somewhat predictive like you can with skaters. So um, I, I I think the encouraging thing for me, going back to the rain, though, is is the goaltending, is Vilalta, is Peterson, and obviously when Copley was there, was was uh, holding on the fort too. So I think I think that is a good thing. Uh, it's, it'd be interesting to see. We talked about the goalie situation this summer. Like there's, there's some hypotheticals out there, like you said, that Cal comes back, plays strong, they let Quick walk, and they let Matty Volalta, with the way he's been playing this year, get some games next season. I don't know if they'll go mm-hmm. no veteran uh, other than Matty Volalta, but eventually he'll get. He should get a shot uh, in the NHL, and he's been well deserving of his play uh, this year. But that'd be interesting to see where he fits in the hierarchy of uh, people who they feel can be the number two goalie in LA uh, come the twenty twenty three season. Yeah. Uh, if if Volalta is in that fray. They're getting a lot more saves. They just haven't been quite as like dominant offensively. Um, and, and listen, let me, let's let's not forget they lost one of the biggest goal scorers in the league in Martin Furk. So I think that's a pretty big blow uh, to the team. And uh, I think it's really affected their power play. Uh, the power play was a historic one last year, and this year it's kind of you know middle of the pack, if you will. I think it's right around twenty percent, maybe. So I think you're, you're seeing some negative effects there. So. And Cal Peterson is in net tonight, Joe. It's four to two right now at the time. I think it's first intermission. But another thing too with the rain is the, their roster has kind of been decimated a little bit here lately. They 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 lost two players to the Spangler Cup, 
Alan Kine and uh, Toby Bassan. Yeah. So yeah, both of those players who were big contributors to the team's success early on are not on the team. Then Jordan Spence is not on the team, yep. who's probably one of their better players. Kill Thomas is obviously hurt. I mean, so yeah, there's a there's a lot of kind of changes going on within the roster, and maybe that's hurting them a little bit. But I mean, it's not it's not a big disappointment right there right there for them. I'm not, I'm liking the goaltending. Cal Peterson hopefully can start picking up some wins. A little bit of a, a, a slow start for him lately. Um, but yeah, Palato's looking decent, and Turcotte tonight another goal and another point, three points in the last three games for him. So that that's good to see too. Is Francisco Pinelli an option at the end of the year after the OHL? Because he's having a for hell the, of a season for the, the rain. For the rain, yeah, yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah, because he's nineteen I he right now. He'll be tw- team. I thought I, I thought he had a chance to play for Canada. He's yeah, he's a killer kid. He he, he looks great. I mean. I love watching Pinelli play. It's it's so so fun to watch. I mean, the World Juniors have actually been pretty fun. There's a lot of uh, drama going on with all yeah. that Michigan talk and Canada and USA losing today. I mean, I'm loving the parody. And it, I mean, as a U.S. fan, I'm not, I'm not too happy but about today's result. But hey, upsets are great for especially for the international community of hockey. You like seeing uh, Slovakia and Czechia win win games. That's that's what that's what these tournaments are all about. I, I love these young kids. You kind of never hear of. Uh, like like last year, the a couple of years before, it was Ivan Ivan from Latvia. It's, it's, it becomes a household name now, but it it's a, a great tournament. I love. If you're not watching the World Juniors, you should definitely try to try to catch a game or two because they're, they're a lot of fun. And Kings have some prospects playing in it too. A little prospect watch though for Pinelli. He is the captain for the Kitchener Rangers. He's got he's twenty and twenty for forty points right now. If that's projected out for the rest of the season, he would go 51 goals, 51 assists for 102 points in 64 games. Hell of a season. Would that that would be mm-hmm. 50 plus goals? I mean, that's that's a that's a second round pick where you know you, you want to keep it you want to keep track of that kid and see where he comes in and plays. And that might be uh something to look at to see if you get a cup of coffee for the AHL. Um, and uh because he'll be 20 in April. So I mean, I don't know if that I don't know where the cutoff is, so I'd have to do some research if he has one more season available in the OHL or if it's AHL uh, next season for sure. Uh, but with the season he's having, sure he's, yeah. he's definitely going to get a look. So, um, well, other than that, honorable mention for player of the week uh, is my mom, uh, Jill McMahon, for giving me one of these bad oh, boys. Oh, a little Christmas gift. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, Drew Dowdy right there. Getting the red Dowdy reverse retro, retro 2.0. Love it. So I appreciate that. And then uh, we're going to go have a see a game on the road. So I don't know if we're all going to meet in LA for a couple games. So I'll let you know, Russ, and we can meet up. Yeah. Um, but we were also thinking the they played the Kraken and the uh, Vancouver Canucks back to back on the road, you know, going to can dip into Canada, you know, get some poutine. Uh, see the see the Northwest. So we're we're trying to figure out when the game's going to be, but New Jersey's going to be in hand going to be repping it uh sometime this year so appreciate mom for for coming through in the clutch uh on the 25th yeah, that's, there that's, so that's a nice looking jersey that's for sure they, these reverse retros are are clean so last last and, and awesome news uh is, that we're going to talk about is uh the first ever hockey royalty watch party we did a little bit for the draft uh but we're coming in here uh doing a watch party tomorrow for the Colorado game it's pretty much just going to be a live feed of us watching the game, doing mm-hmm. commentary in between uh, the periods. We're going to go be going in and out. Uh, we're definitely going to be having a lot of fan interaction. Uh, might might even have you might even pull you on if I if you if I'm feeling lucky. We'll see how it goes uh, for the first time. But yeah, we're just going to let the the ticker tape roll. Uh, watch the game. Hopefully, come out with a W. Uh, you're going to see either our elations or frustrations live as they happen. Um, I will be probably a little bit late to the game as I'm getting off work, but the Russell and Joe will be holding it down uh, for the first period, and I'll be joining them uh, shortly after that. So uh, we'll be sending the link out uh, tomorrow during the day, so keep an eye out for that. If you're listening to it in your car on Thursday, uh, get ready for it because it'll be the first ever watch party for Hockey Royalty, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, Find all of our articles at HockeyRoyalty.com. Follow us on Twitter at Hockey underscore Royalty, at Rando Commando, at NHL Russell, at JW Paterino. Always use DraftKings with code THPN. And let's see this Kings keep it hot against the Stanley Cup champions uh, going on the road. Let's get two points, boys. Uh, 
Merry Christmas. Let's get it going. And as always on this podcast, go Kings go. Go Kings go.